Hello and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus. This is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. Roger, a couple of days ago, you took us into the middle part, part two of a three-part series on identity. Part one last Sunday morning, or I guess now a week and a half ago, you talked about our identity as something not determined by us, something that we should discover because it's given to us by God. You move from discovery to design this past Sunday. Yeah. So, you know, once, once we know our identity, then the matter is, okay, what am I supposed to do? And so this lesson really focused on the purpose which God made us. I, I'm a strong believer. is a big part of our lesson, this little statement that God made you on purpose for a purpose. And when you have a million grandkids, as I do, it seems <laughs> like, uh, you know, wh- why is one this way, one's that way? That's the way God made you. And that's that, that comes up a lot in our house. That's the way God has made you. Why do I have this color hair? That's the way God made you. And and from that understanding, God has made me, we then move on to what am I supposed to do? And so that's what this lesson was about. And we went back to, again, this idea of identity crisis. It is just prevalent in our society. It's amazing in school systems how many young people are just getting caught up. I think part of it's a fad of just what gender really am I? And so... We had three early points in the lesson. That's number one, God doesn't make mistakes. And now in a lot of the discussions about this, God doesn't come up, but there is no alternative. Um, you know, the evolutionary concept is without any any substance. It's without any evidence. It's only a theory. Matter is not eternal, and you do not get life from non-life. That's that's the two main hurdles that evolution cannot do that. So so there's only one option, and that's God made us. And so our first point was God doesn't make mistakes. If God has made a mistake about my gender, has he made a mistake about my race? Has he made a mistake about my sins? Has he made a mistake about my salvation? What, what else can I not trust God in if we begin with the most basic premise that maybe he made a mistake about my gender, then that just complicates everything else. And so so we walked through several aspects about that and, and talked about the difference between men and women as, as they look and they think and how God has made us. And to understand God has made you who you are, the way you are, for a reason. Yeah, you uh, you highlighted there in that first section of the sermon some interesting distinctions from Genesis chapter 1. It's not just between men and women, right? Absolutely. You know, when you read that first first few days of Genesis, the first days of creation, God made a distinction. He separated light from darkness, it says in Genesis 1 verse 4. Then in verse 6, he separated the waters above from the waters below. Then in verse 9, he separated the land from the water. We get to verse 27, he made them male and female, men and woman, man and woman. And there's a separation there. We see this common theme running through this, this chapter of God making distinctions or separations. Light is not darkness. Water above is not water below. Land is not water. Man is not a woman. And, and, and those are clear distinctions we have to appreciate. 
Second point was you cannot change your gender. Um, you know, I, I use this quotation from Shakespeare that a rose by any other name smells just as sweet. You know, you, you, you can look at a rose and, and you can call it codfish, <laughs> but it doesn't change how a rose smells. It's still, you have not changed the nature of the rose. And so you can change your outside and all this, but you cannot change the way God has made you. You cannot do that. The chromosomes are different. There, there's just, uh, skeletal differences between men and women. You cannot do that. And then the third aspect is changing your gender will not bring happiness. And this this is really a sad point for me to bring up because I think a lot of people are confused and they think, you know, if I if I would just change my gender, if I became who I really think I am, then I'll bring me happiness. But what we found out was the national suicide rate in our country is about four percent. Among transgenders, it's forty percent. Mm. Huge difference, huge difference. And you would think if it's bringing happiness, why are so many committing suicide? Now, the the answer some will give you is, well, because they're not being accepted, they're being oppressed, and, and, and they're being made fun of. Well, the same thing are being said about Christians today. Christians are being oppressed. Christians are being made fun of. Christians aren't accepted, but we don't find Christians committing that kind of suicide rate. So I think, I think what it reveals to us is there's this carrot in front of them. They think if they can catch that, it's going to bring them all their answers, and they realize it really doesn't. All right. So three really important points in the first half of your sermon. Lots of things that we could talk about. I mean, by the time you were done, you took us back to Romans chapter one, John chapter 14, as you re-emphasized, God defines what is truth. I figured here in the middle of the week, what we might do is go back to a passage you used in the middle of your sermon from Hebrews chapter 11, talking about Noah, right? Hebrews 11 is full of the examples of men and women that we could talk about who acted by faith. Here in Romans 11, or Hebrews, I should say, chapter 11, verse 7, we've got such powerful phrases looking centuries before to that example of Noah. Let me just read a few of these phrases and and emphasize them as standalone phrases. I think this is worth all of us thinking about here in the middle of the week. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by Faith. Roger, we could spend the rest of the day talking about the richness of these phrases, but let me just kind of walk through them one by one and ask you, okay, what stands out to you about this? How does it go back to your lesson about my purpose being designed by God? By faith. We, we read that phrase over and over again in Hebrews 11. By faith. What does faith have to do with my purpose is designed by God? Well, I, I think Noah, and that, that's the reason why I use this verse as a, 
kind of an example of here's somebody who understood his purpose. And God had called him. God had warned him, as we're going to read about here in just a minute. And, and Noah's faith believed in God. Noah was a man who walked by faith, not by sight. Noah was the one who understood that he's going to make choices different than what the world was making. And it was his faith in God that led him to fulfilling what God wanted. He glorified God as he did what God wanted him to do. And so, so when we think about what does it mean to have my purpose designed by God, well, here's someone who understood that. God told him something to do, and he understood how important that was. He treated God's word as the truth. In, in your sermon, you moved from Hebrews 11 to Romans chapter 1, and I'd certainly, if you haven't already watched or listened, encourage you to go back and, and look at that transition, but you emphasized how really the point in Romans chapter 1 is all about the truth, right? Noah is treating God's words, even his warnings, as truth, truth that needed to be acted upon. You know, a lot of times when we think of God, we think of great promises, comforting words. There are lots of people who are interested in that, maybe not as much as in his warnings. But that's where this verse, Hebrews 11, verse 7, takes us next. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. What do warnings have to do with understanding my purpose? Well, number one, it shows us that that God cares about us. Uh, he, he wants us to be safe. He wants us to be holy. He wants us to be with him forever. And that, that, that's going to be kind of found in this concept here as we think about the warnings of God. We have so many products. I mean, if you get a hairdryer, there'll be a big old label, a big old sticker on a thing not to use in the shower. Well, if you do, you're <laughs> going to, you're going to have a new hairdo. Okay. There are warnings. I, I, I have a chainsaw and it tells you not to try to sharpen it while the blade's running. Well, yeah, that, you know, some of it's just common sense. But sometimes people are missing that. And God is warning us about things that's going to take us away from him. I think it's really interesting and uh, to see this little expression that follows, Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen. Um, I think most scholars would think about the idea that probably had never rained before. And Noah had never seen a flood to the, to the level that God was going to have a flood never seen the earth broken up and water coming up, never saw the wrath of God, that everything living, plants, animals, human beings, if it wasn't in the ark, it was going to die. And, and, and what a powerful statement. And, and, and right there, there's a little bridge for us because there are things we have not yet seen, but God warns them about us. We have not seen hell but the Bible warns us about that. We've never met a person who's been to hell and came back. They're, they're, and so in Noah's time, he couldn't go to the local library and read about floods because there probably never was a flood. He couldn't go talk to his grandfather, and his grandfather says, yeah, when I was a little boy, I, no, there was nothing like this. He had never seen that before. So he, had, he, he could not have history help him because there's nothing in history. Science could not help him because it had never happened before. Philosophy wouldn't help him because we have nothing to hang our hat on with this. All he had was God said, 
I believe. Yeah, it's a combination of faith and our next phrase, reverent fear. In reverent fear, he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. What what role does reverence and fearful respect for God have to do with my purpose? Well, you know, you know, as a parent, you can tell a child, you know, it's time to go to bed. And that child may obey you, but he may stomp all the way down. <laughs> he may roll his eyes. He may throw some words, you know, slam his door. He has obeyed you, but it hasn't been in a good attitude. And so reverence and respect involves our insides, how we respond to God. God warned him, did Noah say, no, I've got crops planted. And and if a flood comes and I'm going to be in this boat a long time, I can't get my crops. Um, I I don't see complaining here. I, I, I don't see him being angry with God. I see him understanding that this is serious. God has said it. I'm going to I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I have a heart that wants to please the Lord. And so so that that's that's that idea. So it's more than just obedience. It's a spirit that leads to that obedience. And it has an impact on his entire household, right? Obviously, there is much more going on than the very basic details that we have in that first book of the Bible. We don't even know the name of Noah's wife or his three sons, his daughters-in-law, but there can be no doubt as you read Genesis and you read Hebrews 11, who the one taking the lead was, right? It wasn't that, well, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to depend on my wife. If she's really serious about a relationship with God, I guess I'll follow her lead or, you know, I'll, I'll lean on the, the kids to do this. I'm, I've got other things to do. You know, Roger, we live in an age where there are a lot of passive husbands and passive fathers. As you talked statistically earlier, uh, consistently we hear about statistically more females being serious about religion than males. Here you get the sense this household had a leader and his name was Noah. Absolutely. And, and you know, we, we do a lot of talking around here about shepherding and we get the idea of how, how important the role of elders or shepherds are in the church. It begins first in a home. And, and Noah had a little flock, and his flock was Mrs. Noah, his three sons, and their wives. That was his little flock. And he was a shepherd over them. He was responsible for them. He was to nurture them and guide them, just, just like a shepherd would in Judea over the sheep. And that's what men have to do today. When, when they sleep in bed on Sunday morning and they send wife and the kids off to the church, they're setting a poor, poor example. That child will grow up and say, I can't wait till I'm old enough I can stay in bed like dad. Well, that, that's not the right example. Dad needs to get up and get, dad needs to be the leader. Dad needs to be saying the prayers at the t- kitchen table. And, and they need to see through dad that he is one who loves the Lord. And, and so Noah doing what God said did it for the salvation of his household. That's a powerful statement there. Absolutely. For the sake of time, let's look at one more. By this, he condemned 
the world. Now, Roger, you don't need me to tell you there are plenty of people in the world that your last two Sunday morning sermons, uh, they would not be amused by. They may not be willing to give at least where they are in life or their current frame of mind, give you a fair hearing. But why is it that those who fear God and want to walk by faith cannot afford to be ashamed of what God has revealed, even if the world isn't on board. Well, you know, we have two choices. Either we're going to listen and follow God, or we're going to keep up with culture. And sadly, mainstream religion in America is following culture. And we're hearing reports time and time and time again where major religious denominations are just changing their policy and changing their stance. They're embracing things that the Bible plainly calls sin. And they do that to keep a crowd. They do that because they want to uh, be popular. They want to be liked. But but I think it's 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9, where there the apostle says, we make it our ambition to please the Lord. And, and that, that's what we have to do. So in doing that, as Noah was nailing those nails into that ark, people might have been laughing at him. They might say, well, I don't see any rain. I don't see any clouds or whatever. But once that started... And that door was shut by God. I assume they probably came around pounding that door with a changed heart, but it was too late. It was too late. Noah preached as, as he also built that ark. The Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. And so do we by living a righteous lifestyle according to what God wants us. Yeah, that's how verse 7 of Hebrews 11 wraps up. By this, he became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. What a great example of allowing God to define and design my purpose. You've brought up other examples already in this series of people who served God in their own generation, even if their generation was out of step with God or was not willing to honor God. That's how we become Heirs of the Righteousness That Comes by Faith. Such an important series of lessons. If you have not been watching or listening along with us, I would absolutely encourage you to go back. Last two Sunday mornings, basic but very important sermons on identity. God is the determiner. God is the designer. It is up to us to honor him as God. Roger, this evening, it's Wednesday, 7 o'clock p.m., you're going to be teaching in the auditorium. Yeah, once again, we're going to continue our series on the marks of maturity. We'll be looking at more of the aspects and attributes of what a mature disciple looks like. And again, trying to build upon this image that God wants us to have to, to grow up and be strong in Christ. In our Building Blocks track of studies on Wednesdays this month, we're just exploring in four simple lessons what is baptism. We've talked about baptism as a funeral, baptism as a birth, tonight, 7 o'clock p.m., baptism as an adoption. We would love to have you join us for Bible classes. Roger, we've been saying all along this is a three-part series, part three, this Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m., and we're calling that uh, our destiny with Christ. That's a, that's a third D word we use in this series. And when you put these three series together, it starts off with who am I? 
Secondly, what am I supposed to be doing? And thirdly, where am I going? Biggest questions of life. That's it. That's it. And so we've covered all these under the concept of identity, knowing who I am in Jesus Christ. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week, and we would love to have you come and grow with us.